some people were a wee bit slow to sit there. You didn't think you were going to get away that easily today. No, we're, we're, we're coming to think about God's Word together here at this stage. And I remember when Hannah was born, Hannah, our youngest, and it was a pretty hectic time. And we were in Rath Island at the time, and we had different people from the church who were helping us out a bit over the course of that week. And on the Sunday after Hannah had got home from hospital, uh, one of the Sunday school teachers came to collect Thomas, who was just four at the time. And she was going to take Thomas up to Sunday school before the rest of us went to church. And she happened to arrive in a new car in a nice wee Volkswagen. And she took Thomas off. And later in Sunday school, in the little infants department, when they were sitting around in a circle, um, they were having their, their time of sharing their news. And Thomas hadn't said anything. So Marion, who'd given them the lift, said, and I think, Thomas, maybe you have some exciting news to share with us. What, what have you got to tell us? And he said, oh, yes, Marion's got a new car. When we're called to share the good news, the gospel, it's so important that we share the right good news, that we understand what the gospel is all about, and then we put all of our efforts, our time, our energy, our creativity, our money, our resources into making that good news known. It's the job that we are given as followers of Jesus. Remember that we're commanded to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's also something that we should have a natural desire to share with others if we ourselves have been saved, because benefiting from that salvation, we long to see others finding that same salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we think about that word gospel, there seem to be so many misunderstandings about that word. Some people imagine that gospel is an out of vogue phrase. Oh, don't, don't use the word gospel because gospel, that was what people talked about in the past. And we have new ways of expressing our faith. But other people imagine that the word gospel was maybe just invented in the past couple of hundred years. And sometimes I meet Presbyterians who imagine, no, gospel, that's to do with other people, other denominations. Is that not more to do with the Baptists and the gospel hall people, the brethren and, and people like that? We're Presbyterians. We don't really do gospel, do we? Well, of course, gospel is a Bible word, and it literally means good news, and it's a word that occurs many times in the book of Romans from which we read just a few moments ago. And we need to understand what the gospel is all about, because sometimes people rebrand or redefine the gospel to suit their way of thinking so that for, for some people, the gospel becomes more about liberation or inclusivity or empowerment or whatever their big preoccupation is. But Paul puts us right in this passage. He reminds us in verse 9 that if 
you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That it's through acknowledging Jesus as Lord that we are saved. That's so important for us to hear in church today, because there are so many people who talk about being saved, who talk about having trusted in Jesus, but they have little or no concept of the Lordship of Christ. The fact that Jesus is Lord doesn't seem to make much of a difference to some of our lives. Well, here in Romans, Paul gets us right to the heart of the gospel. It is good news that has been given to us by God Himself, and it's good news that centers on His Son, the Lord Jesus. And right at the heart of this gospel is that declaration there in Romans 10 verse 13, where Paul, quoting the Old Testament prophet Joel, says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As we finish off today, I want to leave you with two really important things that we hear about the gospel in this passage. The first is the importance of responding to the gospel, the good news, in the right way. Because at the start of this chapter, Paul is full of sorrow for Israel and its rejection of Christ. Look at what he says in verse 1. He, he says to his fellow believers, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. And no wonder Paul feels this sorrow about that because he is an Israelite himself. These are his people, and he sees that they've got it so badly wrong where Christ is concerned. In fact, Israel is such a good warning to us of good intentions that come to nothing because Paul continues in verse 2, for I can testify about them, that's his fellow Israelites, that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. In other words, they have this tremendous respect and fear for God, but they have absolutely no understanding that they can know God through Christ. And what a powerful warning that is for us seated here in church today. It's good to have you here in church. And I never want to make anyone feel bad or guilty for being here in this place of worship. Absolutely not. But there is that danger, isn't there, that by our presence here, by the fact that we are maybe God-fearing people, that we're quite respectable, that we regard ourselves as moral and upstanding, certainly in comparison to many other people in society, that we could delude ourselves and not actually be saved. So that Paul and the Bible as a whole tells us that the only way to be right with God is believing in Jesus and trusting Him for our forgiveness and salvation, that 
Paul puts it like this in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. He continues in verse 12, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not by birth or by upbringing. It's not an entitlement for some people simply by the virtue of the church that we attend, the denomination that we're affiliated to, or the fact that our granny or our mum or dad took communion in a church. It doesn't work like that. That's not what the gospel is all about. Salvation comes through faith in Christ. And so, such an importance that we respond to the gospel in the right way. And I therefore simply ask you today, have you responded in the only way? Through pu putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But then the other thing, and it's so relevant to what we have been thinking about here in church today, the absolute importance of taking the good news to others. And in this passage, there is that ultimate challenge for believers in Christ that comes in the questions that Paul asks here. And if you look at those questions again, you're able to see that logical progression that one question follows on from the other. Verse 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The absolute joy of spreading good news. When something good happens within our family, we're absolutely busting to go and tell other people this good news. Sometimes we're told, no, you can't tell anyone. That's the worst thing in the world. You know, someone in our family, I'm expecting, but don't say to anyone. And you're walking about with that in your mind for weeks. And for Paul, there is this ultimate joy of spreading the ultimate good news so that he quotes here from Isaiah and if you look at the verse that he's quoting from, it's in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7. And there Isaiah proclaims, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And the picture that Isaiah has in mind there, the picture that he's painting is of an army runner, an army messenger who is sent to bring the good news from the front line. We've won the battle, the victory's secure. In this particular case, spreading the good news that captivity in Babylon is over, that God's people are free. And do you see how Isaiah describes the feet that do this task as being beautiful? 
well, would they really have been beautiful feet, literally? This army runner running over the mountains, across the rocks and the dust? No. His feet would have been bloody and dusty and, let's face it, pretty smelly, but beautiful because of the job that they're carrying out, the task that they fulfill. So, do we get that today, that there is no greater task? There is no greater privilege. There is no greater joy for God's people than spreading the good news about Him. And yet, as we come towards the end, you wouldn't think that sometimes, looking at Christians and looking within our churches. Too often, evangelism, that job of spreading the gospel, is regarded as a big burden. Oh, do we have to do that? Really, do we, do we have to go out and try and do that stuff? How much will that cost us? What resources will that use up in our church? Can we afford to do this? And, and is that not spending money on other people, not spending money on ourselves? So that far too often the job of making Jesus known is left to such a small core of believers within a fellowship like ours. But that's not the attitude of Paul. It's not the attitude of Isaiah. And Paul's questions here should be such a wake-up call to us. In life, we will only appreciate the good news if we understand what the bad news is. If I was having coffee with a colleague and someone walked into the coffee shop and I passed a remark, oh, it's good to see that girl back out again. She was sick. Well, the person with me might shrug their shoulders, so what? They had the flu. But if I then explain that that person had been really seriously ill, a life-threatening illness, and here they are out and about again and fully restored, then that suddenly becomes great news. And so, for us, the understanding that people are lost without Christ is so important that they're lost here and now, but also Scripture says, and this is the case, if you do not know Jesus, you're lost eternally. So that these questions really hit us. How then, Paul talking about his fellow Israelites, us talking about the people around us here in Connor, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How many people in houses around us here today know the gospel of Jesus Christ? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? What a huge challenge we face. And it is difficult work. Of that there is no doubt. But we do not do this work in our strength. We do it, we seek to do it in the strength of the Lord. And we should be glad to do this, people in Christ, because this is the Lord's mission. 
and in His grace, He has chosen you to be involved in that mission, to work alongside Him as part of His salvation plan. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What a privilege to share the good news about Christ. Let's be faithful to that task. Let's give of ourselves. Let's give generously to that task so that God may enable all of us to keep a focus on the things that are really important, the things of first importance as we serve Him as His church. Let's pray together as we come towards the end of our service. Heavenly Father, today we thank You for what we have heard from Your Word. Above all else, we thank You for the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We proclaim in worship of You today that salvation belongs to our God. And Lord, we who belong to You in Christ thank You so much and praise You that You sought us and saved us in Christ. Lord, we thank You for the mission of our Presbyterian Church. We thank You for the work that is supported by the United Appeal. And we pray today, Lord, for the mission partners that we have named over the course of this service with whom we have built up close and good links in recent years. Lord, help us to be an encouragement to them through our giving, through our praying, Lord, through our words of support to them. And Lord, on this Mother's Day as well, we pray for families here in our congregation, that you would help them to be salt and light to the communities where you have placed them. Lord, we pray for those for whom this Mother's Day is a difficult and painful day, that you would comfort them. And we thank you for our mums and for the role that they play in our lives. Lord, please guide us and direct us to live for your glory and to make Jesus known for his sake. Amen.